This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB Public Media app. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today we're going to be talking all about sugar. And that is a pretty polarized topic uh, with people having very strong opinions about Um, how much sugar we should be having, where it should be coming from, all of those different things. And I'm going to try and uh, dig through some of that today and kind of give you what the science is saying behind sugar and where we should be getting that sugar from. If you have a question or a comment, email fit at mpbonline.org. And producer Kevin Farrell is going to help me out this morning by just starting this conversation off talking about sugar. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Josie. Uh, First one, I'm actually going to add one to. So I'm going to throw you a a curveball here right off the bat. So uh, what is the truth about sugar? Should we eliminate it? And my added question, can we eliminate it? Oh, that's a good one. And so, all right, the truth about sugar. Well, we have taste buds. For sweetness. So that kind of yields some evidence that having something that's sweet is not necessarily bad, right? They're there for a reason. It's just what are we using to satisfy that, that sweet taste bud need that it really hits home, right? Because most of the things that we have on the shelf at the store are not part of our diet from a historical standpoint, right? There were not nerds and airheads and all those kinds of things, which I'm naming candies that I like. Um, I'm a fruity candy uh, girl and not as much of a chocolate um, kind of person. But the this need for sweetness is one that we can certainly try to ignore it, but that often leads to either over, you know, kind of breaking down and consuming probably more sweet things than we normally would if we had just had a small amount, plus the guilt that then comes on board from that. And, you know, to your your add-on question, you know, can we? Again, it depends on, are we talking about natural sugar or added sugar, right? And it would be incredibly hard to have any type of balanced diet without natural sugars on board, right? We can certainly limit the number of added sugars that we have, and we should. And that's the the kind of evidence that I'm going to lay out during the rest of the show is why we need to be limiting those. But I'll often hear people say, well, I cut out sugar, and I, I usually want to go with you cut out added sugars, because to cut out all sugar uh, would be extremely restrictive, all right, so you've mentioned both of those terms. So tell us the difference between natural and added sugar. All right, so natural means they're naturally present in the food. You know, it kind of kind of seems uh, easy, but then when you think about what does that actually mean? Because again, we're thinking about sweet things, right? But there are natural sugars in foods that we would not consider 
sweet. So, of course, fruit has natural sugars, but so do vegetables, so do grains, so do beans and legumes and even nuts and seeds and dairy. All of those have naturally occurring sugars within them. So if it if it came that way, then that is a, a naturally occurring sugar. A added sugar, we really want to think about it being processed and concentrated. Right? So the that all that's in it is the sugar, regardless of you know what variety that takes in terms of granulated or syrups, your know, liquids, those kinds of things. If it is processed concentrated sugars or syrups, and we are adding that to the food, whether that be at the table, you're adding a sugar, a syrup, something like that onto your food, or it's done, you know, while we're baking something, we're adding sugars to it, or at the processing facility where those packaged items are consumed or are created, all of that is going to be kind of in the added category of things. So that's why when people say I've eliminated sugar, I usually go, have you? Because you would have to eliminate fruits, veggies, grains, um, dairy, beans, nuts, seeds. That leaves very little things in which to eat pretty much just meat uh, would, would be. And there are carnivore diet folks out there. Um, but again, that's a fairly restri- a very restrictive dietary pattern that I would not kind of equate to being balanced because you are going to miss out on some some nutrients there. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with uh, Josie Bidwell. Today, Josie and I are talking about sugar. So Josie, what do we mean by an empty calorie? Well, Again, that kind of goes back to what I talked about with it being kind of concentrated or processed. And I think it's important to take one step back and think about um, when I say the word concentrated, the opposite of that would be unconcentrated, right? So foods that have natural sugars in them, when we don't mess with them too much, they are full of water. They are full of fiber. So that sugar that is within them, that that natural sugar, is not kind of as densely compacted. There's other stuff in there. And fiber and water both have no calories, and they fill you up. So that's why consuming more kind of natural sugar in their whole food form can be a strategy for helping with, with weight loss. But an empty calorie, the... Um, kind of crux of it is that it's just a calorie. It doesn't have anything else with it. So we've talked on this show before about the macronutrients, right? We've got carbohydrate, we've got fat, we've got protein. Those are the big macros. And then you've got micronutrients. That's going to be things like sodium and potassium and calcium and iron and all your other kind of um, things like uh, magnesium and phosphorus and all these things that it takes our body, our body needs those things in order to, to run if effectively. An empty calorie is just going to bring the sugar, so to speak, to the party. It's not going to bring any of that other kind of stuff. And so it's got no protein. It's got no um, fiber. It's usually got no fat. It also has no vitamins, minerals, antioxidants on board. So one of the kind of best ways to 
give an example of this is to just think about some of the sweeteners that we have, right? And so we're going to talk about sugar. We're going to talk about honey. We're going to talk about maple syrup and then date paste. Those are kind of the four that I'm going to talk about. And I'm going to use those four as an example of calorie content of each one of those as well as kind of carb content because that sugar falls in the carb category, then whether we've got any fiber on board and whether we've got any of those micronutrients. So if we start with the most readily available, the most common sweetener, you're talking your average table sugar. For a teaspoon of table sugar, that's about 16 calories, which does not sound like a lot, right? That's like, oh, that sounds pretty low. I also want you to think about how relatively small a teaspoon is. Um, but that's 16 calories, about 4.2 carbs, all of that is sugar. And it has, again, no fat, no protein, no fiber, and really no micronutrients. When you look at it, it's got 0.1 milligrams of potassium. That is that is none uh, in terms of the kind of potassium content that you need. What about honey? Because a lot of times I'll have patients say, well, I stopped using sugar, I'm using honey. Um, is that any better? Well, I really kind of dislike the word better because that really depends on what our goals are. But in terms of calories, if we're just looking at calories, there's actually more um, calories in honey than there is sugar. There's about 21 calories for that same teaspoon. 5.8 of those are carbohydrates. Um, again, we have no fat, no protein, no fiber. We've got 0.2% iron, so just a little just a little spit of iron, but we've got 3.6 milligrams of potassium. Still not a lot, but a little bit more than we had in the sugar, right? What is not fleshed out here is the antioxidants that are in honey. So there are some additional health benefits there, but just in terms of kind of calorie and carb count, as well as those micronutrients. Uh, maple syrup. Uh, maple syrup is delicious. And it's also one that I use, um, especially when I'm sweetening things like my oatmeal and that kind of stuff. But I have to count those things. If I'm really looking at added sugars, there's 18 um, calories in a teaspoon of maple syrup, five grams of carb, all from the sugar. There's no fiber, no protein, no fat in that. But we do have 1% iron and 12 and a half milligrams of potassium. So we've increased the micronutrient content kind of as we've gone up in these. But what about date paste? And you may be thinking, well, what is date paste? Well, date is a dried fruit um, that you can enjoy just as it as it is. I love dates just stuffed with like a walnut. That makes a, a lovely little dessert. Um, but you can also uh, dehydrate them and grind them down into sugar. Um, you can put them in a blender and blitz them up and make date paste. And that is a lovely way to sweeten things and one of the ways I try and sweeten things a lot. Again, about 20 calories per teaspoon. 4.7 grams of carbohydrates, but here we have some fiber. So 0.8 grams of that carbohydrate is coming from fiber because it is a whole fruit that we are blitzing up. And then we've got 1% of iron and 30 milligrams of potassium. So all of these are added sugars, except the date paste. You could kind of put it in a naturally occurring sugar um, frame of reference because you're just blitzing up the whole uh, whole fruit there. But all of them have roughly the same number of calories, the same number of carbohydrates. It's just the micronutrient content and the um, uh, fiber content that changes here. And so all of them that would be considered added are relatively empty calories because there's not anything else on board there.
What you got for me, Kevin? All right, Josie, before we move on to the next question, mm-hmm. you have intrigued me about this date paste. <laughs> so we chatted a little bit uh, while off air, but uh, remind listeners or let listeners know, because you said this is probably not something you'd be able to find in the grocery right. store. You have to make it yourself. If you're interested in trying date paste, how do you make it? Well, you know, you'd get yourself some dried dates and, you know, there are several varieties of those, and as you get fancier ones, of course, the price goes up on those. So kind of the, the Rolls Royce of dates would be your medjool date. It's going to be a little bit sweeter, a little bit chewier, those kinds of things. It's also much pricier. Um there are uh, cheaper options, and I usually go for one of those cheaper options unless the medjules are on sale, and then I snatch them up and I store them in the freezer. Um, and that's a good place to, to put these because these have got a lot of sugar kind of content in them. So if they sit out on the counter, they kind of will you know get, get a little funky looking. Um, but they actually have dates at Dollar Tree. So sometimes I just snag a bag from there. But you would take your date. It's usually going to be kind of firm because it's dried, kind of dehydrated. Um, and most of them have pits in it, just like a cherry would have a pit in the middle of it. And that needs to come out. You, you, I don't care what kind of blender you got. You're not whirling that up. And you certainly don't want to bite into it. So you want to take that pit out. And then I just put them in um, a little jar or bowl and add some um, warm, not boiling water, but you know, pretty warm water and let them sit for 10 to 15 minutes and just kind of soften up. It just gives your blender a break a little bit, depending on what type you have. Um, And then you just drain them, throw those over in your blender, and then you can add whatever you want. Like if you're going to use this solely for um, really sweet applications, like a dessert type application, you could add some vanilla extract to that and give it that kind of flavor. You could add cinnamon to it if you wanted to do that. I just put it in a mason jar and and put a lid on it and put that in the fridge and it'll hang out for about a week in there. And I'm usually done with mine um, in the week as well. If it seems too thick, just add a couple of splashes of water into that blender as well um, to get it to the consistency that you enjoy. And then kind of play around with how much you're going to need in whatever recipe you're going, because it's not going to be a one-to-one swap if you're if you're baking with it there. It's going to depend on how sweet that individual date is and all those different kinds of things there. Now, you can find date syrup and date sugar um, in a lot of the grocery stores. Um, I just prefer the paste because you maintain all that fiber with that because you've blitzed up the the whole thing. Yeah. All right. We have a question on the uh, we have a caller on the line. They're not quite ready for us, though. So I think we can uh, go ahead and kind of start one of our other questions. All right. If you don't mind, I have one final date paste question. Oh, I love it. I am intrigued about your <laughs> intriguingness with date paste. So is the final consistency is, is like granulated sugar or, or no. moisture than that? Oh, yeah. It's going to be like um, custard, kind of. Uh, so, you know, something that you specifically need the granulation for, not going to work with this. But um, putting it in your oatmeal, putting it in um, if you, you know, in your um, coffee creamer that you may make, those kinds of things. And you can put it in baked goods as well. You just may have to adjust the hydration that you use in that dough because it is going to be a little wetter than, than some of the other things there. All right. I think our caller is ready. So we'll go to Leland and say good morning to Dot. How can we help you, Dot? 
Yes, you did mention molasses. I use molasses yes. like on French toast. Uh-huh. And sulfurated or sometimes the, uh, what's the other one? Sorghum molasses. Mm-hmm. And you, you didn't mention that, and I just wondered if you had any comment about that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so there... Absolutely. There are tons of sweeteners out there. I just pulled out um, a couple to highlight there, but there's molasses, like you mentioned. There's agave nectar. There's brown rice syrup. You know, there's a variety of, of different kinds of molasses out there. And it sounds like you're not using a ton of it. You're kind of just using it on your toast. And that's really the take home is that we don't need to be adding a ton of added things to it. No, but sparingly. Yeah. Very sparingly. But in terms. Sometimes I just need something. Just sometimes I need of just course. Have something sweet and I don't want any sugar. And that's what I. Exactly. Like molasses may have some, you know, potassium or some benefit. It does. Um, it does. Nutritional wise that, that sugar does not. It does. So actually there was a study out. Not quite sure in the year, probably in the last five to six years by the Academy uh, of Nutrition and Dietetics that looked at all of those sweeteners and kind of ranked them in terms of antioxidant content. So which ones had the most um, kind of good for us antioxidants? And they the take home of it, they looked at probably I don't know 12 or 13 different sweeteners and all of them except for two basically didn't have enough antioxidant content to get real excited about. Um, The worst performing ones were um, things like, actually, the worst one was brown rice syrup. The next one was agave nectar. Then um, I think honey might have been next, but right right next to sugar. But the two, there were two left that showed um, to be kind of better in terms of micronutrients and better in terms of antioxidant content was the date sugar and the blackstrap molasses. So it sounds like you're, you know, you're adding that extra sweetness in with the correct thing there. So I wouldn't change it if you enjoy it. Okay. Well, thank you. You're thank very you. welcome. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. Have a good day. All right, that was a great one, and you know, one that um, I didn't put in the list, but because there are so many uh, out there that you can do, but a very common one here in the South, and I remember my um, mama making biscuits and serving that with molasses, and when I was little, I was like, "What is that? Looks like motor oil," but it is delicious and yummy, and can be used um, in moderation. So we're talking about added sugar. How much added sugar does the average American actually consume? Do you want to take a guess, Kevin? Uh, would we say like per day? Per, let's say in teaspoons. Per day in teaspoons. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 16. You, you cheated. Really? <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's 17. Okay. So, um, and that's across um, all age groups, right? So uh, kids, adolescents, teens, adults, it's an average of 17. When you break it out, um, most adults consume somewhere between 18 to 19, and then our children consume about 20. And if we think about it, you may think, well, that's not that much different. But they are so much smaller than us, right? Their bodies are smaller than us. And it is just kind of way too much added. And I'm talking added sugar here. I'm not talking about teaspoons of, um, if you wanted to add it up, of naturally occurring sugars. But added sugars into our day, we're getting about 17 teaspoons. And if we think about the fact that there's 16 calories per teaspoon, That's 272 empty calories, right? If we take it back to that notion of 
what is an empty calorie, and it's one that's just bringing that sugar to the party. It's not bringing any good antioxidants or um, fiber or potassium or any of those things that we we need. And potassium is a nutrient of concern in the American diet. It's one we often don't get enough of, and it's really important for heart health and for uh, controlling blood pressure and those kinds of things. So if you're struggling to lose weight, if you're um, you know, having trouble with your blood sugar, those kinds of things, looking at the added sugar content can be really important because that's that's a big chunk of of kind of calorie to spend when there's no other nutrition that comes along with it. There's no protein for good muscles. There, you know, there's no healthy fats for brain development and all of these different kinds of things. So whenever I first saw that, I thought to myself, well, where's it coming from? Right. Where is that added sugar coming from? And we tend to think just like we do with salt, that it must be added at the table or, you know, on top of things. And it's not. Forty two percent of our added sugars come from soda, energy drinks and sports drinks. So almost half of that added um, sugar is coming from beverages. Right. And so if we think about a 12-ounce soda, a can of soda, that's 10 teaspoons right there in one soda. So it's very easy to consume a large amount of added sugar when you're drinking it because it just doesn't fill up the belly as well. It doesn't make us feel full and satisfied, any of those other kinds of things. So where's the other half of stuff coming from? Well, next on the list is uh, grain-based desserts, so cookies, cakes, pies, those kinds of things. Uh, Then fruit drinks is next, and that is not fruit juice, although fruit juice is is on the list, but uh, a lot of things masquerade themselves as juice when they have very little juice in them. Um, Fruit punch is often one that that gets me, Uh, not me and in wanting to drink it, but in tricking folks into thinking it's got fruit in it. And most fruit juice, fruit punch um, has very little actual fruit juice in it. You can flip it over on the back, look at the first ingredient. Usually the first ingredient is water. Next ingredient is going to be something like high fructose corn syrup. Uh, And then as you get toward the the smaller ends of the list, you may start to see things like apple concentrate or pear concentrate, things like that. But they are not, they're not fruit. Uh, And then dairy desserts, ice cream, that kind of thing. Candy is only 5%. Right. So, again, that's one that kind of jumps to mind. Well, I just need to cut back on the candy, but it's actually a much smaller percentage of of where our added sugars are coming from in the American diet. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Josie Bidwell. And today we're tackling the subject of sugar. All right, Kevin, what's next on our list for topics? Well, if I may insert a quick added sugar story. Yes, of course. Uh, For anyone out there that doesn't know, if you look at the nutrition label on packages, that uh, added sugar is one of the categories there. So I have started to try to pay attention to that. I usually look at that in the sodium level when I'm in the grocery store. But I had a cereal that I tended to like, and it was called, I think it's called Cracklin' Oat Bran. And I thought, oh, Mm -hmm. Oat Bran, hey, that's good for me. (laughs) Well... A lot of added sugar on there. Mm-hmm. So actually, I found the last time I went to buy a new ba- a box of cereal, I switched from the one that had the more added sugar to one that had just a little bit less. That is a wonderful, um, a wonderful story and highlights the use of nutrition labels. So uh, prior to, I think, 2019, 
uh, maybe a little bit earlier than that, the label did not have that added sugar broken out on there. It's, you know, you'll you'll look and you'll see um, total carbohydrates and then you'll see sugar and you'll see uh, fiber. And that's kind of the, the breakout there. Uh, and you can kind of do some calculations on your net carbs from that. But what was what's that sugar coming from? Is it naturally occurring sugar? Because when you look at uh, a bottle of milk or a carton of milk, uh, it's going to say 12 grams of sugar on, on there under the carbohydrate. But that's the naturally occurring sugars in the milk. It's not that uh, it's not chocolate milk where we've added um, sweetener sweetener to that. Um, with the new labels, you will see that broken out. Now the caveat to that is. The rollout of those new labels have been a little bit slower, and it depends on how big the company is and how shelf-stable the product is as to when their mandate for new labels went into place. So you may still see some things with some of the older labels on them that don't have it broken out. Um, You mentioned kind of comparing brands to see which ones had uh, less added sugar in it. Um, And that's a really good way to do it. Another thing that you can think about is four grams of sugar is a teaspoon. So if you're looking at the back of a, of a package and comparing one to the other, or just looking at it, and let's say it has 12 grams of added sugar, that's three teaspoons of added sugar there. Another kind of quick way to look at it is um, probably one of the areas that nobody looks at on the nutrition label, but it's the percents that are on there. And those are percent daily values. And that uh, the percents that are on there, of course, are based off a 2000 calorie diet, which may or may not fit your individual nutritional needs. But it is a quick way to look at it. In general, when we're talking about a nutrient, if the percent daily value for that serving is less than five is 5% or less, we consider that low in that particular thing. If it's greater than 20% or greater, then we consider that high in, in that particular item. So if you're um, cereal had, you know, 5% of your daily value of sugar in it, that would be kind of considered a low added sugar item versus something that was maybe 20 or 25%. And then you got all that in the middle, which is a big gap, right? You know, you got anywhere from 6% to 19% in there. But, um, you know, you would just kind of consider that more of a moderate sugar content food, and then you would have to judge you know, how that fits into your overall dietary pattern and whether you want to spend that much for that one uh, one thing there. Looks like we got a caller on the line, Josie. Yeah, we do. We're going to go down to a mobile and say good morning to Nathan. How can we help you? Good morning. Yes, uh, I had a curious about the sugar alcohol. Yeah. It's like a newer form, I guess, of sugar. And uh, I've gotten used to, you know, four grams is about a one one teaspoon of sugar, mm-hmm. but I, it's kind of hard to tell with this new sugar alcohol. You know, they they took you know no sugar or zero you know gram sugar, but then I don't know how to compare that with yeah. sugar alcohol. Absolutely. And so sugar alcohols, uh, have there are some better ones and then there are some older ones. Um, usually if you're looking on a package in the ingredient list and something ends in OL, like xylitol, uh, erythritol, um, that kind of stuff, that is a sugar alcohol. And they can be part of a diet, 
a healthy diet, what we don't want to do is overconsume them because they can cause some GI upset. So they can cause some bloating, some gas, even some diarrhea when consumed in large amounts. Now, sugar alcohols don't really affect the blood sugar, um, but they you get about half of the calories that you would from a regular sugar. So they're not completely calorie free. Um, that's why they're not considered a technical technically a um, an artificial sweetener because they do have some calorie associated with them the ones that are uh, kind of newer and better would the one in particular that um, I'm okay with using is erythritol it doesn't um, impact blood sugar it doesn't do as much of the GI upset there and as it circulates it actually has some antioxidant capabilities to it Um, so it could it would be of the sugar alcohols it would be the one that um, I would use most often and interestingly enough monk fruit sweetener is a pretty common thing that you can find on the the store shelves or you'll see baking mixes that are sweetened with monk fruit sweetener when you look at it, it's very actually a very small amount of monk fruit that's used in the first ingredient, and those is erythritol. So you're getting um, that um, erythritol sweetening capabilities there. Uh, but the take home of all of them is don't go nuts with them and just consume large varieties of them because they don't impact your blood sugar because they can cause some belly upset. Okay. What would be the amount to like, like I know when I'm looking at cereal, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, 10 grams of added sugar, I'm like, oh, that's kind of high for, for my, you know, family. Right. But as far as sugar alcohol, I'm like, when yeah. it says 2 or 3 grams, is that... Oh, that's okay. You know, I'm like, is you that know. Or is that yeah, high? that's okay. You Again, know? it should give you um, a percent daily value, and you can use that 5 and 20 um, designation there as well. Okay. All right. Thank you, Nathan. You have a good day. All right. We have another caller on the line. We'll go to Gulfport and say good morning, Kay. Hey, good morning. Sure. Um, I was just calling to make a suggestion. If someone perhaps wanted to micromanage their cereal sugar intake, Mm -hmm. uh, years ago, an uncle of mine suggested mixing cereals. I love it. And so... The high-calorie or high-carbohydrate sugar that you like, the oat bran or whatever it was mm-hmm. that was mentioned, well, find a, a brand that might be comparable in terms of your likes um, and mix them. Yep. And so you cut back incrementally um, on the total calorie and, I mean, carbohydrate intake, if that would be your... Yes, absolutely. And we I do that with patients all the time who are uh, consuming a relatively high sugared cereal, maybe something like a Fruit Loop or um, uh, Frosted Flake, that kind of thing, Frosted Rice Krispies, all of those kinds of things. Um, going from a very kind of hyper sweet cereal like that to an unsweetened cereal is a big shock to the taste buds and likely to make you mad at me and not want to not want to come back. And then, you know, there's just all kinds of emotions wrapped up in that. And so mixing it with a unsweetened cereal is a great way to cut that. So maybe you mix your frosted Rice Krispies with regular Rice Krispies, right? Knowing that ideally we want to get to an unsweetened cereal um, in the future, but any progress is better. You know, it's always progress over perfection um, when we're trying to make sustainable lifestyle changes there. So that's a wonderful tip. Okay. Well, um, 
glad to listen, and um, thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. Thank you for giving us a call, and thanks for listening. That's right. So we've been talking about added sugars. So talk, if you would, Josie, about the health problems associated with having too much added sugar. Well, the one that readily comes to mind, right, is going to be blood sugar. If, you know, increasing our risk for prediabetes or actual, you know, type 2 diabetes. Um, One that I don't think people kind of give enough credit to is the impact that it has on your lipid levels, on your um, blood cholesterol levels. It shifts the components of that all around. So it will make your LDL, which is your not as great for you blood um, lipid, to go up. It will make your HDL, which is the one we actually want to be a little bit higher, go down. So it shifts that ratio, which is not good for our heart health. And then it increases triglycerides. And so triglycerides are often seen as like the you know, the fattier parts of the blood. But when we see those things increase, when we see triglycerides increase, we also have to think about what is that doing to the liver? And it's increasing our risk for fatty liver disease. And the amount of people that we have in this country that have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is growing and growing and growing. And we're starting to pick up and recognize on that more. And that's not a benign condition. It often doesn't have a whole lot of um, symptoms. But as fat gets laid down in the liver, it uh, kind of starts to impair how the liver functions. And it almost, um, I mean, it's kind of like beating up on the liver a little bit. And when the liver gets beat up on, it starts to make a scar, just like anything else. And a scarred liver is not a healthy liver. Um, it starts to get um, firmer and what we call that fibrosis and then fibrosis can of course progress to cirrhosis and and liver failure and so focusing in on added sugars is really important there and then kind of the the last well two that I want to highlight that I don't think people give enough credit to is is the impact on uric acid and so if you've ever had gout you know what the word uric acid is and it's a buildup um, of uh, purine metabolism in your body that can give you very painful um, joint issues and added sugars actually increase uric acid levels. So if you're struggling um, with gout flares, that may be an area to look at, as well as your immune system. And to highlight that, I want to talk very briefly just about one study that looked at um, neutrophil function. And if you're not familiar with what your neutrophils are. Neutrophils are kind of your first line of defense in your body. One of the things that helps to engulf and get rid of invaders like bacteria, viruses, that kind of thing. And what they did is they looked at uh, how many kind of pathogens one neutrophil could neutralize in the presence of different amounts of sugar. So when there was no added sugar on board, one neutrophil could neutralize 14 bacteria. And this particular study was done with anthrax bacteria. Um, Whereas we get to 18 teaspoons of added sugar, which is right where I said the average American is, um, one neutrophil could only neutralize two bacteria. So a pretty dramatic reduction in kind of that first wave immune response there. And that lasted up to five hours. So if you're eating you know, very high added sugar meals at every meal and snacks as well, we could be weakening our immune system there. And it was interesting that it was not replicated when that sugar was replaced with starch. So when that sugary cereal was replaced with oatmeal, we didn't see the same reduction in immune function there. So overall important to begin looking 
at how to reduce our added sugars. We do have a couple callers on the line that I want to get to. I think that'll take us up to the end of the show. So I want to give us uh, give one piece of information that I haven't given out so far, and that is how much added sugar is too much. What are our goals? Um, and the American Heart Association has put those guidelines out that recommend no more than six teaspoons of added sugar for women and no more than nine uh, teaspoons for men. So that is a kind of a good number just to keep in your head. That way, when you're looking at packages, you can go, oh, this has uh, six teaspoons of added sugar in it. I don't know if I want to spend all my sugar right here in this particular item. All right. We're going to go to Yazoo County and say good morning, Bill. How can we help you? Hi, thank you. Um, I have a question. Mm-hmm. The term antioxidant mm-hmm. is simple enough. Does not oxidize, but does not oxidize with what? Gotcha. And what does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> thank you. I'll- Take it off Absolutely. Thanks. Great question. So what we're talking about in terms of antioxidants in our body is the ability, ability to scavenge free radicals. So free radicals you can think of as just kind of unstable oxygen atoms that are produced in our body secondary to inflammation. So it can be from different um, different stresses on the body, whether that be emotional stress, physical stress, we produce kind of these unstable um, things. And they kind of just, if we want to think about it in the simplest of terms, crash around in there and do things we don't need for them to do. But they're associated with things like aging, cancer, and all of those different kinds of things. So the thought is that if we increase our antioxidant content, we're able to kind of scavenge or neutralize some of those free radicals that are going around and thereby reduce out some of the inflammation that is in our, um, in our body. So that that's the take home on that. All right, let's go to Bay Springs and say good morning to you, Jeannie. How can we help you? Yes, uh, I was wondering what you what are your thoughts on trivia by stevia? You know. Yep. Excellent. So stevia is the compound. It's uh, that is kind of harvested from the leaves of this particular plant. Although when you look at Truvia as the the brand name of the most readily available kind of stevia extract, the first ingredient in your Truvia is dextrose. So it is not actually um, kind of true uh, Rebiana or, or stevia extract there. What is my ultimate opinion on it? My ultimate opinion is that we shouldn't be using enough artificial sweeteners that it makes a whole lot of difference, right? So if we have have one cup of coffee a day and we like a packet or two of Truvia in that, fine. But if we're doing, you know, three or four cups of coffee with two packs of Truvia in it and then we're adding packs to our cereal and then we're using it and, you know, the baking substitute that comes with that to bake um, our, you know, desserts and then we're sweetening, um, you know, our our evening tea with it, that's a lot uh, of that on board and there's just not enough data out there on the long-term effects of that when consumed in excess. So a little bit every now and then um, is okay, but not in excess. Um, And so we really have to be careful with that. In addition to the fact that it's a many times sweeter than regular sugar. So if we're using it as a strategy to um, reduce our sugar intake and reduce our sugar cravings, it may actually make sugar cravings a, a little bit worse because we um, then expect everything to taste really hyper sweet. 
You're welcome. Thank you so much for giving us a call today and have a great rest of your Monday. All right, Kevin, we got a few minutes left. Is there any burning thing on here we want to know? Well, since we've talked about added sugars and some of the health problems that are caused by it, how about we end the show by talking a little bit about how we reduce those added sugars? Absolutely. And the first way we reduce them is we don't drink them. Right. If we think back to what I said is the majority of where added sugars are in the diet, it is sodas, energy drinks and sports drinks. And so just looking at how we um, replace those, I try not to use the word reduce because that immediately makes you think you're missing out on something. And um, FOMO is real. And so you go, well, I can eat that. I can drink that. She's not here with me. So what do we replace it with instead? And water is your friend here. You know, water is going to be the primary um, beverage choice that we we need. And when I am writing prescriptions for patients on how we kind of shift our consumption of added sugar, I rarely write what I call a negative prescription that may say, you know, reduce soda by this many per day. I'm going to say increase water intake as my prescription. And then the steps underneath it may be replacing two of your three sodas with a bottle of water instead. A lot of people, um, kind of count their calories of of a sugar-sweetened beverage in their total intake. And they may think that, you know, if they have a soda with this meal, they'll actually have less calories that they take in by the food. But that's not the case. When we look at the the research around consuming a sugar-sweetened beverage with a meal, you actually are less satisfied and tend to over-consume the food as well and take in many more calories than you would have if you had had water with that meal. And then we don't make up for it later. You know, we don't uh, naturally reduce the amount of calories we have in a later meal. So overall, it just leads to not only the increase in calorie intake from the sugar-sweetened beverage, but an additional intake of food calories um, along with that and just not feeling as full and satisfied. One of the other things that, uh, you know, we work on is identifying your kind of trigger foods or what you know you are going to eat if it's here, right? For me, it's peanut butter M&Ms. I love them. And if my children get me that for Mother's Day, which they do every year, I am going to eat that. But I do not buy peanut butter M&Ms at the store because if they are home, then I'm going to eat them every single day. And that is not what needs to happen in terms of keeping my added sugars under control. So kind of making a list of those foods that you know are going to be a problem if they're in your house and maybe choosing not to bring those in or not bring them in as frequently or if it's something that you can get out go do that out like if ice cream is your thing right instead of keeping ice cream in the freezer maybe you go on an ice cream date with your family so then you have the memories around that um, and the activity around doing that and you're not likely to over consume that because whatever they give you is what they give you there at the ice cream shop All right, that went by super quick. If you have questions that you didn't get in today about sugars and added sugars in particular, I'd love to answer those for you. You can email me anytime at fit at mpbonline.org. If you didn't catch the show in its entirety and you want to go back and listen, you can do that by searching for our podcast. You just search for Southern Remedy on your favorite podcasting app. I've been your host, Josie Bidwell, with our wonderful producer, Kevin. Ben Farrell and our call screener, Abram Nanny. And you've been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.